Good evening, welcome to another live edition of the Squad. Who said Man United, Liverpool, Everton, Tottenham and Arsenal fans couldn't come together? It's a shocker, but it's true. Here we go. Okay. It would be rude of me not to welcome my sister from another podcast, Mr. Amanda. Welcome to the show. Hello. I feel like I've lived here all week. I'm only <laughs> normally on twice a week and I nearly every night. So it's and worth it why. though. It's yeah. worth Hello, it. Hello, so, everybody. So here's what we're going to do, squaddies. Good evening to everyone in chat. Good evening to our squaddies. Thanks for joining us once again. It's been a pretty hectic last few days, as we know. Um, we put a show together for you tonight because we want to hear the voices of some key influencers of the other six clubs who are part of the Super League and then also a key influencer from a club who weren't part of that evil six, the military football coup that fell apart thanks to great people like this. So I'm just going to go around the room and let everyone introduce themselves real quick before we get stuck into some solid football dialogue and conversation. And guess what? I'm going to be polite and I'm going to start with the Spurs fan, Mr. Max. Oh, I can't believe it. So... First of all, I was going to say when I was kind of asked, "Did you want to be on this uh, um, on this show?" and it's called the Highbury Squad. Um, you'd think actually you don't want to be on it because you're a Spurs fan, but then I thought I love the fact that it's called the Highbury Squad because uh, it basically means that you guys also live in the past just like us. So that's <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's a good there's a good way to endear yourself. At least we have a past. We, yeah. have as well, uh, we have a past as well, but it's in black and white. Before uh, you were born, um, Max. But um, so I came prepared as I came prepared with a tin hat for you guys. <laughs> well done, Max. Well done. And well done. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for everything that we can. Actually, we're throwing everything at something else, not at each other today. So that's really good. We certainly are. And then, yeah. of course, we've got our good friend Marky Mark, um, who representing the Arsenal fans tonight. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm great, guys. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast again. Really, really happy to be on. And it'll be nice to speak to rival fans about something we can all agree on tonight. Brilliant stuff. Centred there in the middle, sandwiched in between uh, Merseyside, is uh, our very good friend of the show. We love him. We adore him. He's been on many times. You guys know Mr. Dale O'Donnell, the founder of Straight News. Dale, welcome, mate. Thanks for having me, lads. And as a there's a lot to get off our chest tonight, I'm sure. Definitely. And then, um, I mean, look at that. Copite Dave right next door to Mr. Dale O'Donnell, the Liverpudlian, otherwise known as the ref as well on this show. Dave, welcome, mate. Thank you. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic to see all these people on here, especially the bottom three here. This is, this is really interesting to see. It's the dynamic of the Blue Nose being over there and the Mank being in the middle of me. <laughs> This could get interesting. I'm coming down. <laughs> yeah, I might move Amanda. I might move Amanda down. You just want to leave us alone for a few minutes. We'll have a we'll have a chat amongst ourselves. Well, and then uh, to to the left of mine, um, uh, one of my favourite guys. I love him and Ped. I mean, Toffee TV founder Baz. You rock it. I mean, we're you know my secret crush, as everyone knows, is Everton. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, from the outsider insider perspective, mate. Yes, thank you very much for the uh, the invitation, Shof. We've been chatting for a number of years, so it's nice to actually do something together. And uh, definitely, this is going to be interesting. I, I should have put, I, 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 
I was going to say, David, I really should be on the top tier because I've got the moral high ground in this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is, this, is, this, is this the cop out behaviour thing down here? Is this where no, no. Well, you're not alone, so it's fine. Hold the mayo. I'm going to actually look. I'm going to mute Liverpool. I'm going in charge. I'm going to mute Liverpool. No, I want to start with Baz because I wanted to get the conversation going with the perspective of, um, you know, the Toffee TV guys do a great job. Everton, um, you know, just such a great club. And some people came at Everton fans for criticising the Super League based on what happened with the Premier League. But at the same time, you can understand the frustration of other fans because, you know, we kind of really did try a military football coup and it didn't work out. So I want to start with Baz first before we get into the nuts and bolts of the fallout and what it is that other fans feel about our clubs and what you see from your perspective. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti, I thought, was very respectful today in his press conference as well, Baz. So why don't you give us your point of view before we jump in here with um, the other clubs? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's been a, a very eventful week, hasn't it, to say the least. Um, I think from a from an outside perspective looking in, I think it's it was disgusting, to be honest, uh, of, of what happened. I think it's important to, I guess, to separate the fans from the club's I think mean, that's first and foremost because I've been to, we share a studio with Redmen TV who are, who are obviously Liverpool, uh, Liverpool supporters. So we had a bit of banter on Monday and Tuesday calling them, you know, various names. But the reality was when we actually sat with the lads, they were devastated. They were absolutely distraught. Uh, and I think the biggest thing for me, what I took from it is this was a decision made by a handful of men or, or, more, a few more than that, but it, the, the supporters weren't consulted at any juncture with this. And I think it might have been different with you looking at it and every fan group had been canvassed and 60 70% wanted to do it. This was a situation where some very rich people just went, let's make some more money and we'll forget about everything else. We can just make more money and ride it out. But I think one thing we have to remember is this wasn't... It, these apologies that have flown since... A very, very, they're all empty as far as I'm concerned. The, the nonsense they've done because they've had to apologize. It's the, the kid stealing from the shop and has been caught for he got out the door because this isn't something that was put together last week and they just all decided on a you know the back of a, a beer mat to let's move to this Super League. So I think from that perspective, it was uh, it's much deeper than what it is. But I think I'm, I'm a great believer in. Inju well, no, I don't like injustice, and I think we're all stronger together. And that's what I've took mainly from the last few days is that when the fans have actually stood up and been counted, look where look where we got. You know, Tuesday people were were out. Tuesday morning they were going, and then by you know by the time someone turned up at Stamford Bridge with it, we won our cold night in Stoke. Um, people teams were starting to come out of it. So I think my initial reaction was disgusted by what had happened uh, and you're torn as someone who isn't in this you're torn you're torn between off your pot then go and do what you want to do and we'll just crack on with with what's been before and for certainly for as long as i've been a football supporter but there's the other side to that is we'll know because we're all in this together and there's no way 
six clubs should decide that they are bigger, need more money, and the rest don't matter. I think that's the injustice of it. But when you factor in fans weren't given a choice in it, that's mm. where the that to me is where the waters become a little bit muddied because it is some people who are rich just saying we just want to make more money and, and we're not really bothered about what everybody else thinks. Yeah, I don't yeah. know whether I've answered your question. No, you you yeah, have, really you have, you, you have answered it really well because I want to I want to shift before I go to a little Arsenal Tottenham because um, Manchester United and Liverpool are the let's you know as much as we've been a decorated club, Manchester United and Liverpool are the two royal clubs of English football. This is a fact. This is true. We talk about the great clubs. It's Manchester United. It's Liverpool. It's Real Madrid in terms of European success, certainly Liverpool um, and um, and Real Madrid. Then you've got Bayern Munich, of course, who stayed out of it. PSG are, are new to this. But Dale, I wanted to switch to you because you and I and Amanda have talked on previous shows about our American ownership. I live in America. Um, I, I didn't want this to become an American thing or people, you know, kind of looking at this as the American owners tried to make this happen. Um, John Henry's done great things for Liverpool. I know that you have your issues with the owners, but I want to talk about um, Man United for a second because it seemed like Ole came out and defended the owners today. What your supporters did at the training ground today. What's your insights into that? What's your take initially on Manchester United's involvement in this, your owners, and especially as Baz is kind of talking about the fact that they tried to kind of, you know, veer off steel and move on without really letting anybody else know. I don't think anyone knew, Sophie. I think people even high up in the club, a lot of people were left out of loop of this and were very, very surprised. Um, and I think it's a common trend in speaking to people from other clubs as well. Um, the owners made this decision themselves, pure greed. And there is football people working at Manchester United. Um, I've no doubt about that, that are, that are shocked by this, appalled by this. Uh, you, can't, you can't forget some of the work the club did um, in the past year with the pandemic and the money raised by the foundations. All those people, I'm sure, feel betrayed um, like we do as fans because they built up, they helped build this great reputation in the past year. It was just crumbled in a matter of moments when that announcement was made because everybody was lied to, not just fans, everybody within football. A few weeks before the announcement, Ed Woodward was sat in the UEFA meeting, um, casting a vote and giving his views on the future of the Champions League. His intentions weren't very clear to everyone else. And that's why I think he's resigned because nobody simply can trust him again. And that's why I think these owners are under severe pressure right now. And if football fans can do what they did at the weekend, we showed how quickly we could do it. We all stood together. Enough was enough. But I don't think we should stop here with the Super League because they've shown and they've shown a threat that they will do this. And if they get away with it now, they'll do it again. Um, football fans, we all need to wake up to the fact that we are being ridden here, ridden for years. And we've all been saying it, so it's time to act. It's time to stand together. Okay, so I'm going to play something um, for all of you before I go to Dave and the Liverpool perspective here and, and we move up. The Everyone's calling this, it looks like University Challenge, by the way, <laughs> Bamba Gascoigne. I, um, but I do, because what Dale just said is very uh, important and Kev is covering, a, uh, you know, ironically, a Barcelona game tonight, but he sent in a question for everybody and I'm going to play it because it has significance in terms of what Dale just said too. Here we go. Hi guys, I hope you have a great show, Sophie, Amanda, everybody uh, from, the, from the different clubs. 
I hope you're all well. My question um, to all you guys is the following. Do you seriously think that this is the end of the European Super League? Or do you think there will be serious reform from UEFA? Because one thing I do know, which I'm sure we can uh, speak about, is I think, me, I think this was a, a, a start for 10. They put this in. When you look at all the detail, I don't know how serious they were. I think they've done it to shake things up. But these, these top guys, the billionaires, they usually get what they want. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go. But that's the question, guys. That's the question. Do you think it's the end of um, the European Super League? Or do you think there's going to be major reform going on with UEFA? So they get what they want in the end? Or do you think the fans have done their job? Anyway, all the best guys. Have a great one. Sophie, Amanda, take care. And all the squaddies, love you lots. Take good care, everyone. Bye. We love that, man. Uh, always engage with fans and always doing great things. Dave, I'm going to come to you now um, based on kind of what Baz and Dale have said and I think if there's any group that is the most disappointed, dare I say not because you are more important as fans than any of us, but it's the Liverpool fans. Can you talk us through a little bit about that and also kind of what Kev said? And I want to say this with so as much respect as I can, but, you know, when you're – I've got to be really careful about how I say this, but in a week where you're also – once again, recognizing one of the most tragic moments in sport, you then have an owner that turns around and does this. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, they, they don't they don't care, Shelby. You know, look, you got two guys next to me here. You got a Man United fan. You got an Evertonian, and you've got our owner this week telling us that we want to play Real Madrid and Barcelona and Inter Milan and whoever else week in week out. I'd rather beat Everton. I'd rather beat Man United every day of the week. I'd rather lose to Everton than beat Real Madrid every other week. Hmm. It's that risk and reward. Everton came to our place the other week and turned us over for the first time in however long. And, you know, us and Everton, us and Man United have got a have got a mutual history together that goes through the ups and downs and and the travails of being football supporters. And as much as we want to have a go at each other, and we do, and we take the mickey, and, and we have a laugh, and, and whatever else, but seriously, you know, you've just talked, you've just mentioned Hillsborough, really. Yes. Evertonians were side by side with us through the entire thing. You know, you look at you look at the, 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 the picture at Anfield when the flowers <laughs> were on there, and you look at Anfield around the time of the disaster, and there was Everton fans, Everton scarves, Everton badges, Everton teddy bears everywhere. We've never walked alone without Everton by our side. And for our owners, you know, somebody said to me the other day, it's a weird thing if you look at the six clubs involved because Arsenal and Tottenham will play each other. 
Man United and Man City would play each other. Our owners were prepared for us never to play a derby again. And I'll tell you something. I've not missed a derby game, home or away, in 40, 40 plus years. And we hate each other. But we also love each other. And, and that's something that people don't get. Unless, unless you understand the dynamic of how that relationship works, you will never understand it. Us and Everton have a brother, sister, sibling relationship where, where on the outside people will go, oh, people want that friendly derby. And, and Baz will tell you, over the last few years, it's, it's sort of abated a little bit, hasn't it, and gone nasty, which is sad. Yeah. But actually, if you, Baz, you, I don't know your age, but I'm sure you were around in the, in the 80s. So when we had derbies at Goodison and Anfield, we would stand, Evertonians would stand on a cup. There'd be thousands of them stood mm -hmm. on, and I'm, and I'm not exaggerating here. I'm talking two or three thousand Evertonians stood on there as I'm looking out on the pitch on the left hand side of the cop. Thousands with no mm -hmm. police. No one would yep. stand there. It would police itself. And when we went to Everton, we would stand on a Gladys. And when we went to Wembley in 84 and uh, 85, 84 and 86, that I stood in the Everton end in the 86 FA Cup final because I didn't qualify for the ticket and I got a ticket in the standard end at the southern end of the 86 FA Cup final in a Liverpool shirt yeah. and no one batted an eyelid. And for our owners to turn round and to say that it's better for Liverpool Football Club to play games against Real Madrid and Barcelona and Inter Milan over Manchester United and Everton, our two closest rivals, is the biggest insult they could ever pay to our fan base and their fan base. It's ridiculous. And to answer Kev's point, no, it's not over. We all know it's not over. We all know that those English clubs who went to that tournament went into it thinking it might not happen. I don't think they under, I don't think they, I think they underestimated what the fans would do. And I think they really underestimated what the players would do from inside. Mm -hmm. And it really did. Really did. Certainly at Man United and definitely at Liverpool. They did I they underestimated that. Yeah, I mean, even as an even as an Arsenal fan, I would rather watch Liverpool v Man United um, week in week out, week in week out, or Liverpool I'd v Everton. Rather, I'd rather beat Norwich, Sophie. Yeah, honestly, no. the reason why Man United we played Real Madrid the other week, the reason why when you play Real Madrid it's so special, is because you don't play them that often. Yeah. Exactly, we, or one off. We played yes. we played Ajax twice in our competitive history. Ajax have won four European Cups. We won six European Cups. We played twice, two competitive games. Yeah, that's what makes it incredible. Uh, yeah, it's I don't want to play. I don't want to play uh, Bayern Munich every week either. That's for sure. It's slightly, it's a, it's a slightly different concept for us, though, you three Northerners, because him there. And us, uh, us three here, or whatever way I'm pointing. So let's bring in Max because, in the midst of all this, I don't know if you sacked your manager or he walked out. He's that sort of got waylaid be behind all of this. I don't know if Tottenham planned that because it was very good because it all went very quiet. Mourinho gets sacked, but it was 
all about the Super League. So, Max, look, you know, the, Liverpool and Everton are a bit different to us. We don't have that brotherly, sisterly love. There is no love, nothing at all. So how I can explain, I understand the um, Liverpool-Everton side of it. And I've always said Arsenal, Tottenham are not like that. But our families are like that in a way. As I explained to you before, my mother's side are all Tottenham and my, and my side on my dad is all Arsenal. So it, it, it does happen, but it, there's no love. Nothing at all is there, Max. No, I, I kind of chuckled. I was going to say that, that when you said there's a luck and a love-hate relationship, I was like, no, no, we just have a hate-hate relationship. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And that's even within the same households when you have that rivalry. But um, no, I think, um, listen, there's, there's so many reasons for, I'm going to say about the Mourinho bit because you did ask me about that. I think yeah. it was like, I think the Labour Party did it once where they did that announcement. It was a good day to very bad news. And yeah. I think that's what they were doing. And there are some other um, kind of economics behind why it was done on that day at that time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, putting that aside, um, it kind of just shows how masterful they believe they are with regards to controlling finances. Um, and that was another another stroke. Um, but, you know, just to say, first of all, that um, the I think how this came about was certainly a way of pressuring uh, initially pressuring UEFA over a period of time because let's not get away from that. You know, UEFA is not a fantastic organisation, and nor is FIFA by any stretch. None of them are. Right, and, and you know, so you you are talking about two of the probably most corrupt organisations outside of the UN. So, so there was a real issue for these clubs, and you know, there is a football pyramid, and there is a football pyramid of revenue, and actually, the nearer you are at the top, uh, from a revenue point of view the more loss-making you are, which is kind of bizarre. So those ones right at the top, especially Real Madrid and Barcelona, are the ones with the biggest financial issues. So they're the real drivers of this. And, you know, if I, and, and I'm by no stretch of imagination is this any excuses for my club, but I think for Tottenham, for Arsenal, and dare I, dare I say it, if it had Everton been invited at the time, they may well have gone with it because it was too scary to not be in it if it happened. I'm not saying that they would, but we can't. We can't say. I don't. No. I don't mean the fans. I don't mean the fans. I just meant. It wasn't, just, it wasn't a club, Max. Max, it no, wasn't no, a club. No, no, but I'm. I'm just. So, as I say, we don't know, right? All. All I'm saying is that the, the, in in those clubs had a situation where, or some of those clubs that weren't necessarily the ringleaders and found themselves in a position that, wow, if this happens without us, we're finished, right? So what do we do? And and well, uh, Max, that's what Arsenal have put out. They no, reckon our club would not, we didn't know whether to get on the bus or not, and we got on the bus, they, and it's like, it's bollocks, absolute it's a, bollocks. it's a terrible excuse, but they were late arrivers. But, un, but understand this, okay? The European Super League needed the Premier League teams. The Premier League teams didn't need the European Super League, right? It, it's, it's very, it's very, very different. Our economics are very, very, very different. Right, and uh, they are having a real struggle over there in those teams that are not in the Premier League, yeah. as I said, especially the really wealthy ones. And they've tried to essentially leverage on what the Premier League has, especially, and, and they had a, a willing audience, especially uh, in kind of the US owners that are less in touch with the game and with the fans. And I'm going to touch on the word fans in a minute, but uh, the, the fans and then maybe some of the, the British owners or the other owners. So uh, who, who know the franchise system, own franchises in American sport. 
and thought, you know what, okay, this is the future, this is the way it's going to go. We've got massive uh, uh, loans against these clubs, and we have no exit plan. Right? They don't have an exit plan for, the, for those investments. And they are also very, very conscious, and I mentioned this to Sophie the other day when we were talking, that those clubs also have brands that are hugely undervalued when it comes to their valuation. Okay, you know, these are clubs that have, a, Man United have, what, a, a billion odd fans, followers, subscribers, whatever you want to call it, around the world, yet, yet their market cap is like 3 billion, which is ridiculous because it should be like 100 billion. Why? Because valuation is done, sorry, I just, my, my background's in finance, but the, they have, uh, the valuation is done on what the profitability is of these organisations, not their revenue. And they're all loss-making right at the top. It kind of makes no sense, right? So they're really forced to hand, and we've all been kind of hooked into it. And um, it kind of, there is a silver lining to all of this, okay? That um, the world has had a bit of a reset, I think, with COVID. Uh, um, and I don't mean in football, I mean just in general life. Everyone's just thinking about things differently. And football's just had this massive reset. Because what's happened is if you just if you just drew a graph of time, okay, and the long the other axis would be from fan to customer. As time's gone by, we've just gone more and more from fan to customer, and this reset has just brought us right the way back to saying. I, I hate that they call us customers. Yeah, this is part of the freaking problem. Just say something there about that. What Max has just said because it's really interesting what he's just said, and it really is interesting because if you look at the dynamic between the ownership of a club and the thought process, and, and Max is right, and I think he is, and whatever Arsenal have put out, Man City have intimated it, Chelsea have intimated it, that they were the, they were the sort of, we'll, we'll get dragged along here and, and we're not sure, but we'll see how it goes type thing, which is garbage. You know, that's he's right what he's saying, the drivers are not them, the drivers were your, your, your Barcelona's, your Madrid's, Man United, by the way, are mortgaged at a hilt, as, as Dale will know. They, the Glaziers will want that because they can see that being wiped off. And Liverpool, because of the franchise system, could see it. Anyway, by the by, if, if you look at what Max has just said about customers, the thing that the, the biggest reset that could happen within this discussion is the realization from people at the hierarchy of a club that we cannot be customers. Because the only thing that we can do as a customer, or the, only, the thing you can do as a customer generally, is change brand. <clears throat> you're not happy with something. If you, you shop at Asda and you're not happy with Asda, you go Sainsbury's. Sorry for Baz, it's the Asda and the Sainsbury's. Sorry, mate. Just, <laughs> well, no, I don't put that in front of any of them. Only the Arsenal. The Arsenal. The Arsenal. We can't change. We can't change. I can't go. Well, I'm not happy with Liverpool, so I'm going to Everton. The only can thing I, just, I can do as a consumer is withdraw my Sorry? Dave, you know, you know that to be true. Some of these owners... This That's what I'm saying. That's the biggest reset that can happen. Can I just say that... Jump in, Because Max did make a really good point, but the, the big thing in this point is we're talking about teams at the top losing money. Let's just think about how much money each club brings in every year. Forget about market forces forget about what drives it clubs bring in half a billion pound a year and spend 350 400 million on wages 
It's up, and we just sit here as fans going, Oh, yeah, oh god, he's on foot. You know, I've seen something today. Paul Pogba wants half a half a million pounds a week to sign a new contract with United, and we go, Oh, he wants half a million. Harland wants a million pounds a week. It's like, hang on, you know, if you had a wage cap and everyone yeah. would have to come together, but if yeah. you had a wage cap and everybody said things like, We ain't paying anyone more than. I'm gonna say 200 grand a week, which is still astronomical, but that's that's the world we live in. Stop paying average footballers hundred thousand pounds a week and things like that. And all these clubs will still be making hundreds of millions of pounds to buy players to put better facilities back into us. Because Max is right and Dave's right, we're not customers because we can't just choose and go, oh, you know what? Like me, Everton haven't won a trophy for 26 years. Oh, you know what? Man City win all the time. I think I'll just watch them now because they play the best football. They win trophies. That sound. I, I'm not going to do that. No. I'm a man in my 40s. I've been going to match since I was a kid. I'm not going <laughs> to just change like that. It's not going to happen. I just want to go to, um, I'm going to go to Mark real quick and yep. then back, back to Dale to and then back to Max. Okay. Max hadn't finished, but go on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think the biggest problem, I think, all of us pretty much around the, the table have an issue with the owners. And the problem is um, they're just making too much money. And I know there's a lot of sounds that are made over over Twitter and over social media. You know, you've got the, the cronky out, the glazer out and cool, whatever. But do you think the glazers or the cronkies are sat on Twitter or sat on social media looking at what we're saying? Absolutely not. And I tell you what, if I owned the New York Yankees and I was, I don't know, if I was earning 200, 300, 400 million dollars a year and the New York Yankees hadn't hit a home run all season or, had, or coming bottom of the league, I don't really know how that structure works, but coming bottom of the league, league uh, year after year, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care because I'll be sat in my, um, in my penthouse in London, no, no New York Yankee fans around. It wouldn't make a darn no. difference to me. And that is why, and that is why we're not going to get rid of these owners quick because they've got their foot at the door. Why would they go? Because people are putting hashtags out there, or because people like listen. I'm not. I'm not downplaying protests. Like I would like. I want to try and get to the protest tomorrow. By the way, outside the armory, six o'clock. Make yourself heard. Make noise. However, it's not going to. It's going to be very difficult now. These owners have got their foot in the door to move because if I was in their position. Said if I own an American club, an American uh, NFL, uh, NFL team, NHL team, and we were rubbish, and I had no, I had no heart or no thoughts in the team, and, and I wasn't emotionally attached. It's the emotional attachment. We're all talking as fans. What we would do? Oh, we'd be really bothered if we was getting like smashed week after week by teams because we've had this um, generational um, team, like this, our team that passed us for our for our family year after year after year. For the owners, they do not care. It's a money-making mission. Can, can, and I one, yeah, can I just say one thing? One thing there, just quickly in response to that, I agree with you completely. I disagree with you slightly. And, and what I will say there is, you say that they don't care and you say that they won't respond and you'll say that they... they and I agree with you in general, that's absolutely correct. But what one thing that should not stop us from, from exercising our right to protest and exercise we've we've had listen we've had three or four over the last six or seven years of ticket price hikes furloughing staff etc etc 
and we've kicked back in their face. We had a walkout against Sunderland, which did sharpen their minds, and they retracted what they did. But the biggest thing for me, and I, I think I said it to maybe Amanda, in the in the in the the swirl of everything that was going on, it wasn't the fans' reaction that was interesting to me. It was internally within the clubs. It was the players, because the players and the management staff have clearly not been consulted about this. They've clearly not been talked to. And when they kicked back, and I know for a fact, and I'm not going to say why, but I know for a fact that within Liverpool and within Manchester United, as Amanda knows, I know someone senior within Manchester United, there was mutiny within the club. There was mutiny. Now, the fans might not, you might not hear anything from the outside, but the owner sat in his Boston office, John W. Henry, but if he's got Jurgen Klopp or Jordan Henderson on the phone to him saying, we, this ain't happening, take us all to court. Let me just say, I literally will be quick. Dave's quick. Yeah, and I want to go to Dale after. No, no, I know, because Dale's right. And all I'd say to you is, they've come out today to 170 page contract they've signed, every club. That ain't done in secret. How is it? Not it's done. Done and it's no, not no. done. It's not done over the weekend on the back of a beamer. A 170 page contract. This has been coming for three years. So answer Kevin Campbell's question. The can has been kicked down the road until he polishes yeah. it up and it'll come back. I apologise, Dale. You've no, no, no. Dale, lots being said here about your club, other clubs, um, money, Pogba contract. And by the way, we've been joined by our really good friend Tanner, the bearded gooner, because he's uh, he's an American. I mean, I live in America, but he's an American, and I just wanted him to come in for a few minutes because there is this comparison to American sports. Um, you know, he and I know the landscape here, and I, I know all of you do in terms of the Cronkies and the, the ownership that they have. I mean, they destroyed St. Louis and a lot of businesses around the St. Louis area when they moved the Rams. Some would argue the Rams came home because they were already in California. So we'll get to Tanner in a minute. But I just wanted to give Dave, um, uh, Dale, uh, Dale, a moment here before going back to Max and then and then Tanner. Yeah, just just on the comment about owners not caring about what's said in social media, I, I, I think every every football fan knows that they don't see every post that goes out there, but. I just feel after the weekend, there's enough evidence there to say that with enough of us and with the right message, that we do spark, we do, we can make a difference. And and that it's the big difference too with this from a Manchester United perspective is I've spoken to former United players, a number of players about the Glazers and down the years, and what what the common trend has been that they never intervened with things, they never got in the way of their playing careers. Okay, so they never. They came in and inflicted lots of death in the club, but there's not, not too many black marks where we can say they did this, they shouldn't have sacked this manager. So they've been kind of kind of standing offish away in Florida. This is the first time ever that the players have bit back because it does affect their playing careers. This makes a big difference. And now that they're on the back foot, we can't just say, okay, we won at the weekend and that's it. We have to keep this up because they're, they're ultimately these people are not good for English football. I know they've all bought the clubs already, but we should be looking at um maybe the fifty plus one share thing. I'm not sure that's possible. That's probably reaching for the stars a little bit at the moment because we're that far down the road. But ultimately, what we learn from this is we can't go on further with fans being left in the in the background. That can't mm -hmm. keep happening. 
Um, the, the Glazers have come out with an open statement saying they will communicate with fans. Yeah, right. Not a yeah. whole. It's they're just cowards. a fair one. <laughs> they're they're bottom markings. It's to be very hard. Now they've got their foot in the door, it's going to be really difficult. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's not worth protesting. I'm not saying it's not worth tweeting. Do all that because I, I agree. I agree to it. All I'm saying is that they're just making so much money that it's and they're all very very business minded it's going to be very difficult for them to walk away no matter what the moralities are of the situation that's what i'm saying Premier League could legislate for that. can i they just could, say could, something could, fan, fan, fan representation on support most of us here have american owners okay that are in the big six sorry toffee tv but you know what i'm saying we do but then when we go to max you don't have the american owner do you joe lewis is what is he well, no, so Joe Lewis is English. Um, yeah. Actually, he's a, uh, a hedge fund trader. Um, he's a shock. enough, many, many, many years ago, prior to involvement in Spurs, and if you can see that picture in the background, yes, yeah. the, the trading pits. No, not, not the Real Madrid show, which oh. I thought it was Tottenham. Sorry, I couldn't say. The other one, that is the trading Still, pits. well done, PG, well done. Well yeah. Done. <laughs> of the uh, financial markets, and back in the day, um, uh, Joe Lewis used to have a line to my booth where he's trading and it was oh. called boat and it was called boat and that's because he used to phone from his boat and that's like in the in the, in the in the 90s uh, but no he is English um, but you know he's not really a football fan and I believe that the um, they had another company uh, alongside Enoch which he owned and I think Daniel Levy was involved in I think other investments was much more real estate I believe at the time um, and the opportunity and there were relationships also with Sugar um, I think, and there was the opportunity to buy the club, um, and so mm. it was it, from that point of view, it was kind of the right time to do the trade and join whatever was going on with the Premier League. Very, very different in a way to the purchase of Cronkie, uh, um, um, uh, certainly at Liverpool and Manchester United, where they bought into those clubs at far, far higher numbers, and they operate like a hedge fund. So actually, uh, um, exactly as I was just said by Mark. You know, it is about profit for them and they do want a way out. Now, they did have a plan and I, I, I believe that they had it. I'm just going to use Manchester United as a default because, you know, they are they are the biggest of them. You know, they had a plan when they bought into Manchester United and that was really to take advantage of the fact that the brand is global. The brand is therefore undervalued. And on that basis, if we can find a way to extract more money from that brand, right, we can. I believe at the time that what they wanted to do was take advantage of uh, and growing bandwidth. And I'm talking about mobile phone bandwidth across the globe because you have TV rights here domestically and certain other TV rights. But actually, you could have a situation as bandwidth grows and everyone's got a mobile phone in China, Asia and everywhere else. That every time you score a goal, it appears on their phone. They'll pay 50 cents to watch it. And you know what? If you've got 200 million people doing that, every time you score, you win 4-0. You can you can you can do the do the maths at fifty cents. You're going to make two hundred million dollars uh, just on that game. So they had a big bandwidth plan, and those things have kind of moved because you know new things have come in, and there's lots of other topics that we probably won't go into today, like NFTs, which the whole world is talking about in respect of content. It's very complex, but they are looking for ways uh, essentially to monetize, make profit, and get out. And so that's been taken away. But I, I, can I just refer something to something that Baz uh, said? Because for me, this is exactly where I was going with what I was saying earlier. Um, the model, the financial model of football in respect of uh, um, um, 
revenue and profitability is so incredibly flawed due to one thing, and that's wages. It's not transfers because transfers, the money remains within the game and actually filters down the leagues as well. Yeah. But, but wages and agents fees is money that is literally down the plug hole as far as football. And it's unsustainable. You cannot afford to be, not be at the top. So you cannot afford to not pay the top amount. And they don't have any way of controlling it. Although there is a way because the city actually does it um, because it's a similar thing. Um, but everything is cause and effect. You know, nothing has damaged football more okay, than the Bosman rule. Yeah. The Bosman rule had an element of fairness about it, but actually damaged football in almost irreparable ways. Because there is nowhere in the world that you make an investment like buying a footballer at 22 years old for 100 million. And then you don't just get time decay of his age from the value point of view. You get time decay of his contract. That's an absolutely bizarre scenario that when he peaks at 28, he's probably at his best. He's going to be worth his 100 million down to going towards zero. Absolutely flawed. So, so Mac, Max, because yeah. this is a great way for me to segue and introduce Tanner, um, the bearded gooner. He has a, a really great Arsenal podcast too, um, an American born and bred. And, you know, a lot of people have poo-pooed. Listen, we're, we live in a relegation promotion world, right? I've come, I've covered MLS here for almost 10 years. It's just a model that can't work when you're asking David Beckham. Well, David Beckham got a cheap deal, but Charlotte, the new expansion team, is coming in at $300 million, <laughs> right? You're not investing $300 million to maybe be relegated in your first season. It's just never going to happen. The model of US sports. Uh, Tana, just, well, I'll just hand it over to you so you can kind of talk a little bit about what Max has said and obviously the NBA you know, you've got player power. You've also got CBAs, um, bar you know, bargaining agreements, player unions are stronger. Talk us through a little bit about what the guys are saying here in terms of wages, models, etc. So what has happened in America with now Major League Baseball, um, I can't remember who it was, brought, brought up the Yankees. Um, but uh, the Yankees just, I, I mean, they just print their own money. Honestly, I mean, they, they, they have their own television network over here for crying out loud, where they actually broadcast games of other sports. Yeah. So, but major league baseball is the one major North American league that does not have a salary cap. They have something different. It's called a luxury tax. And I won't get into that and muddy the waters, but um, owners in American sports will actually shut their sports down until the players union agreed to put in a salary cap. And this is the owners essentially saying to the players, look, you need to accept the salary cap because if you don't, we, the owners, are just going to keep spending ourselves into oblivion. Uh, imagine imagine that. That's the parent going to the child, saying to the child, you need to, you need to start me a savings account and take my money because if you don't, I'm just going to blow it and, and I'll be broke. Um, in, in, I know the NHL is the least popular worldwide of the four major North American sports, but I am a massive hockey fan and it is the one sport with the salary cap where it is cut and dry. It is based on revenue. Um, every team can spend to a certain point. You cannot spend beyond that. If you there, there's no wiggle room there in the NFL, they have a salary cap, but there's wiggle room. There are ways around it. You can dump money this year 
to pay it next year and circumvent your salary cap. Um, the NBA, I, I won't profess to know anything about the NBA salary cap because there are guys that are making – Steph Curry makes $60 million a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just insane. Um, but the NHL salary cap is, is cut and dry. It's a hard cap. The other thing is within these salary cap systems, there's also a salary floor. And these things don't get talked about. So if you're going to introduce a salary cap, by the way, you also have to introduce a salary floor because there there is – there could be a massive disparity there as well. And the salary floor is saying you have to spend at least this amount of money on player wages. In European football, and, and, and Max, you're absolutely right, it, it's it's the player wages that are just getting out of control. The transfer fees, yes, they, they get trickled back down through the system. But the wage bills just become out of control. Holland on a million pounds a year, uh, you know, these guys are Wait. just – Week, I mean, a week. Oh, well, excuse me. Yeah, a, a week. Yeah, sorry. That would be a stupid deal. Where did we sign well, that up? You know, let me let me let me just say that the 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 slip there is is interesting. We were talking about this on same old Arsenal USA on Tuesday night, where football started. And when I say football, I mean proper football. I don't mean American football. Um, football started as the working man's sport, factory workers, guys getting together, and they were paid. And this is why we always hear football wages dictated by the week because that's how it started. And something that the Cronkies don't understand is how these football clubs came to be. It wasn't just, Hey, if you've got, like Sophie said, $300 million, you can start a club. The next time your league decides to expand, these were grassroots efforts to start these football clubs. And the American owners won't understand any of that. Can I just say something? That's that's really interesting. It, it wasn't that long ago in our game. I'm talking, I think it's the late 50s, maybe the early 60s, that Jimmy Hill fought for a minimum wage. Mm, 70s, Ronnie. He, he early fought, 70s. Sorry, what, what year was it? Baz? Early 70s, it was. Early I think. 70s, was it? But he, he fought minimum for a minimum wage. wage. Yeah. So he was fighting for, for players to get, a, to get a wage to earn a living mm. when clubs were ripping players off. You know, that's yeah. not that long ago. This is in our lifetime. And now we're in a situation, as Max has, has pointed out, where money is just being thrown down the drain. I, I've got a, we've got a situation at our football club now with, with Gino and Alden where, you know, fans will tell you, just give him the contract. Just give him the contract. However much he wants, give him the contract. He's 30 years of age. He's 30 yeah. years of age. Yeah. He wants a wage increase to 100 grand a week or whatever he wants. And it's like, just think about what you're actually saying. Before before I come back to you, Max, um, and and if it, anyone jump in whenever you want, and um, uh, Dale, do you want to pay Pogba half a million a week? I mean, you and I have gone back and forth on you know you kept faith with Ole, he's built something somehow, he's got you guys to second, even though you haven't been great this season. But there's something happening. Do you want to pay him half a million a week? I'm not paying him. Half a million a week. <laughs> it, it, see, it, th- th- these figures to me, it's just crazy to get your head around it because it, I, it, I, I'm out of my depth completely. That it's crazy money for anyone to be getting. But these, this is what footballers are getting. This is the money that's in the game. It, the, gre- this isn't the, like the first time we've seen greed in the game. Greed hasn't won this time, but greed has been covered the game for years. Like the other night, you're talking, you're listening to Perez come out sounding like Donald Trump. Um, in complete denial, a man collapsing, and he's saying how 
how this means we won't get Haaland, we won't get Mbappe. Complete arrogance. The reason why you can't get those players is because you just completely blown it in the past few years. Look at Barcelona and the debt they're in. Okay, I don't see a new stadium. I don't see um, a, a debt-ridden takeover to, to explain why they're in that mess. Those two clubs are in that mess for completely different reasons, and that's why they can't pull out. They pull out, no one wants to deal with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so much greed in the game. You're on about Pogba and this, this much money. Manchester United are one of the biggest clubs in the world. I can't justify some, some of the players around the money. Look, Phil Jones is there, what, 10 years? He's going to get a testimonial this year. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things I'm scratching my head about, but we're just living in this crazy world, and I feel out of touch. I think everyone probably feels out of touch because... I, I, do you know what it is, I wonder where it's going to end. Well, this is it, because I think right now everyone's talking about football and the, and the current model that it's unsustainable. Of course it is. And we're going back to the talk about wages. All of that has to be addressed. But ultimately, yeah. I think I, I think that these owners have, have crossed the line um, in the past week. And I, I can't stress enough. You can talk about how they don't care about what we say. But I think with the, with the right backing, if we all get together, and I think hopefully some politicians get involved as well in real power, we can make a difference and ensure that fans are consulted. Because... It will really annoy me if, say, we walk away from this and nothing is done about it. Because trust me, we'll be back here in five to ten years talking about the same thing. But the difference is, if we walk away from it this time, the game will die. The game will die this time. Can I just... Go on, Mark, jump in and then we'll go back to Max. That's where I want to go, Max. My worry going going forward is, let's say, yeah, the Glazers go, get rid of, Cronky goes, get rid of, and then it's about the people we bring in, what if they're what if they're worse, how are they regulated? That's that's the big issue for me because it's all very well we have change, but then the people that that come in, what you know, what's what's the regulation? What's the regulations look like? Well, you see, the thing is, what the plans hopefully will be in place with the fifty plus one is that, and as well as the, you could go back to the two thousand and five takeover, and which at the time Manchester United fans were warning the football authorities of what this what this would bring to English football. There's no United fan that wasn't that, that wasn't against the Glazer takeover, and at the time before it happened, there was a certain Alex Ferguson and a David Gill who were against it as well. Um, the, the difference is now I don't think the football authorities will make that mistake. If we can make that change now and tackle these crooks, um, it shouldn't leave room for others to come back into the game because who would want to come in? These guys aren't interested in having a 50 plus one share. They don't want to deal with fans. They want to make their own decisions. So if that was to be brought in and legislated, they'll do a runner. They won't want to be involved. They're cowards. As Gary Neville said it the other night, and it's the truest word that was said, bottle merchants, every single one of them. Ed Woodward's gone running with the tail between his legs. We've been saying it for years that he's a snake, and now it's been proven. Max, can I just ask you a question? I'd I'd love to answer a couple of things, um, kind of links to everything that the bearded goon, Abaz, and Mark just said. So, and I'm going to say to you, Dale, I actually don't have a problem with Manchester United paying Pogba half a million pound a week. I don't have a problem with anyone paying anyone anything. 
What I do have a problem with is the bank paying Pogba half a million pound a week and Manchester United can't afford to sustain that debt. That's the bit that I have a problem with, right? Because the market dictates the value, uh, um, but it should be doing it according to, um, as my dad would always say, you always live within your means. Football doesn't live within your Cut your means. cloth. Yeah. yeah, and you cut your cloth accordingly, right? Uh, um, you can see that, that we lived as that we lived close by, so our dad used to say the same lines. Um, but, um, uh, you know, football does doesn't cut his cloth accordingly. So, so, so um, regulation. So, I, I know I keep referring to the city and referring to fight, but I promise you that there is good reason for it because that is the most inefficient, efficient place in the world. Okay, finance, and what happens there generally knocks on to everywhere else. The world has had an issue in 2008, 2009 of having unsustainable debt on levels that don't make sense and it crashed. And regulation came in and it came in and said to the banks and the trading companies, you can't actually take that much risk anymore. You have to bring it down to here. This is kind of what needs to happen with football. You need some kind of regulation to be able to do that. The problem is with companies and Europe and especially, you know, we had European law that is kind of seen as a restriction of trade. Ultimately, any company can make a decision on what it can and can't afford, and they live and die by the sword. Right? That's kind of how the, how the, how they operate. Um, so up until now, we've been in this position where we think we can't repair the wages scenario, okay? Because of the European law, and ultimately their contracts are going to run down, and they're going to be a depreciating asset, which means they hold the clubs to ransom, which means that they get paid more money because they're holding them to ransom. It's like a vicious circle. Um, I would like to suggest that there is a solution to that because it's another one that exists within the city. Traders that make a lot of money for banks are highly sought after, the really successful ones. They get paid enormous money even more than footballers when they're the best. Okay, But the way that they control them uh, in, and control their whole leaving situation is because the wages are relatively restricted, but the bonuses are tied into things like, for example, options, which means that if you leave, if you choose to leave, so you don't, can't stop them from leaving, but if you, they leave, they forego a huge amount of money. So by virtue of that situation, they then stay and sign. And if you did that in football, where you created not a restriction on how much they could earn, but a salary cap at you know, whatever level that you want to cap it, and you add on top that anything beyond that is loyalty driven, and if you, if you are offered a contract and you take it, you can continue to accrue it. If you choose to not take it because you want to leave, you'll forego all of that money. You know what happens? And, and you know, I think someone said about the player power in this instant. I wonder how they would react to this. But their wages would just plummet. Yeah, absolutely. They would plummet. And we would find ourselves in a position where football becomes sustainable and then you don't have this situation where where um and i say this again i'm not being apologizing for spurs or anywhere anyone else but certain clubs within that 12 are way more unsustainable than the others okay and that is why i said some have just been hooked into it so they couldn't afford to not be into it and the others are facing bankruptcy real madrid are facing bankruptcy okay barcelona facing bankruptcy uh, um and, and Manchester United got huge Sorry, just lastly to say, the Premier League debt is very different. It might not make those owners profit, but it is serviceable debt because the revenue in the Premier League is so high and it's also fairly well distributed. The, 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 in, in, in Spain, it's amazing that they've got an issue because there's no distribution of wealth. It's two and a half clubs. Mm. Everyone else gets pittance. 
mm. right? So they, I mean, it's non-competitive, which is why their league isn't watched, which is why the TV money isn't as high, which is why they need the Premier League. It's like again a vicious circle. So anyway, that's okay. what I want to say on that. So can I can I can I just and you're up, Max. Honestly, you're talking so much sense, and, and obviously you're, you're you're knowledgeable about that from way beyond where I am. I, absolutely. I just want to just bring it back to ground level, I suppose. And, and and I think my biggest frustration with all of this is I understand that owners are in it to make money. I understand that the clubs are not what we were whenever. But you have a football club there in Everton. I'm trying to point to the right. Which way is it? That way, that way, <laughs> whatever it is. You have a football club there in Everton that came out of San Domingo's church and and, and played at Anfield and then went to, to Goodison Road and Liverpool grew out the ashes of, of Everton. Uh-huh. And you have two football clubs that, in fact, Baz will back me up here, I think, that it's the, it's the most deprived borough, borough in, in England where there's two football clubs, Walton, which uh-huh. includes Everton and Anfield. And we are probably known... Liverpool more so, but Everton have their moments as, and, and involved with us, as I said before, as being the most active activist football clubs because of the city in which those football clubs are and, and, and the DNA in which it is and the way that we, we, we sort of bring ourselves forward. The level of anger that I feel towards our owners based on the fact that they've completely disregarded the fact that we are built in a community that is working class that is built on solidarity that is built on a fight that is built on being the the the, the underdog you know we've been knocked down left right and center politically knocked down left like left right and center from a justice perspective and if you're the if you're the gatekeeper of that if you're the beholder of that there should be someone within that organization who brings those people to a ground level to say these decisions that you are making are wrong and it's not a one-off this is what we we've done this this week we've had four or five of these now it's not a one-off when we were furloughing staff when we were hiking ticket prices when we were copyright copywriting the name of liverpool they were trying to copyright the name Liverpool. It's not their name. It's the name of a city of which Everton Football Club were the first football club in that city. And they were trying to copyright the name Liverpool. Where are the people telling them the decisions you're making are wrong? And you can have your finances, you can make your money. But I'll tell you something, the likes of me, the likes of Baz, the likes of Dale, because they're the three that I know really. They're, I live in this region. You're not winning this fight, Baz. And you can you can you can fight with us all you like. I'm telling you, they will not win this fight. People say where they're going to go. I heard Mark before saying they're not going to go anywhere. And I hear what you're saying. I get what you're saying, lad. I do. They ain't winning. Can I just ask? Wait, wait, wait! I just want to ask. Hold on, hold on, something, and then go to Baz. I'd like to go to Baz first to respond to what uh, Dave just said, and then we can go back. Um, Yeah, I mean, they 
I, I'm in between what Mark said and what you've said there. I, I understand. You're absolutely right. And to touch on what Dale said before, I'm not saying don't um, don't stop protesting, don't stop. Uh, that Absolutely do that because we've seen in 48 hours what everyone coming together and people hammering things on Twitter and all of that and social media and there's petitions going around. Absolutely do that. And you're right, Dave, especially my club, is so embedded in the community. Everything in the community, which serves the whole of Liverpool and, and everywhere else, is held up. You know, our fo my football club is embedded in the community. If it could win trophies as good as it does the community, uh, we'd have been in this room. Uh, trust me, because we are the best at what we do for the for the city and everything else. And we're owned by, you know, two former Gooners. You know, Mashiri and we all know Alice Rushmanov really owns Everton. He's just in the back with his uh, false moustache on and his glasses mm -hmm. and Everton are really good at doing all that but you our fans won't walk away from it people there's his side Manchester quite the same Maldi got a lot to say I'm quite sure to be honest Dave I'm quite sure Londoners are exactly the same but we can only speak from our perspective but I do agree with what Mark said before these people who own these clubs they're not walking around the streets of Liverpool or Manchester they they're sat there going we'll just keep creaming it off i believe josh cronk you said today yeah we're gonna get to that we yeah, will get to selling. that john henry's come out with a, an apology oh it was all on me it was he, he's in boston do you think he's bothered your, your club your club like, and it was your, end, your club the glazers are just sat there like that keep it coming they, they didn't do anything when it was the green and yellow and the United fans were standing with the backs to stuff. And so absolutely continue, continue, continue to protest, continue to voice your concern. But you know what I started seeing yesterday on social media? Liverpool fans saying, well, there's my, there's my owner coming out and apologising. Now, get us in if he gets us Mbappe, I don't care. Yeah, it all gets I'm, forgotten, doesn't it? Football fans, we are. We're fickle. I'm not saying we are in this room, but... You, Dave, lastly, and, and I know we're going to Princess Goon now, so I apologise, but <laughs> the last, last thing I'd say on this is they don't really want your money, Dave. No, they don't. not really bothered about my money. They're not really bothered about Max. They're they don't really need our money. About, they don't need it. They want the people in Asia, America, everywhere else they, on TV. They, and the, totally Max, this is the final point, I promise you. The worst thing that could have happened in this situation is the pandemic. They've used it as a yep. reason why they have to get yep. they have to pick six clubs and pay them 300 million a year but in the last 12 months it's become a tv sport and it was the worst thing that could have happened Absolutely. to the match very good um max. amanda amanda you and, and you i want to talk to max max you i wanted to ask you the question because we absolutely all despise our owners um, Arsenal, Liverpool, United, we despise them even more now than ever. Liverpool, I think, just happened. I think they've loved no, their own. I don't think they've liked their own. You think Liverpool fans have hated John Henry for delivering the Champions League and oh, the Ch and, and No, no, Premier no. League? Hold quickly, on a second. Quickly, Hold on. Quickly, quickly. I'll tell you now Liverpool fans have been acquiescent in this. They have, they have accepted it the same as United fans did to an extent. When the Glade, they shut up when United won the league. They shut up. Liverpool fans have shut up when they win trophies. And I've said this to Amanda, have I not? The time to bang on the door is when you're successful, yeah. not when you're doing shite. 
When you lot get your banners out, get Wenger out, it's nonsense. It's when the club's being run into the floor. Liverpool fans, the, the, the people who are active, the people who go to the game, the people who are active with Spiritus Shankly and things like they know the reality. The problem is our fan base is so huge and so that Baz just said, you've seen people on Twitter saying, get them back. I've seen the same, Baz. I've heard the same. But in my group, in my friendship group. Yeah, yeah. Can I just carry on? Amanda, go on there to... because I also want to know Dale's response to that because I'm shocked because Liverpool were in no man's land. I mean, they'd won the in Istanbul was like one of those magical. I think like, we need moments. to leave that for another. No, no, but what I, no, what I'm saying that is, ages, is that but... I understand Arsenal fans loathing Kroenke. I understand United fans loathing the Glazers. I do not understand Liverpool fans up until this moment loathing John Henry. I don't because it's I, deeper than that. It's not just about winning trophies for them. Kind of it isn't, a, is it? Dave, no. Dale. Right. Can I, can I just second. go to Max for a second? You can go to Max, but I want Dale's opinion on that too because it's all relevant here because the way we are and what we did today and what our AST group did today is amazing, right? And it's about time that we did that. I'm just surprised that by that by that comment. Go on. Well, well, well look, one of the, the most devastating things, if you look back to 2005, that happened as a result of the takeover was that we lost... Um, a small section of supporters to FC United Manchester, who I always wish well. Um, and, and what that was a sign of was a bunch of football fans. I, I don't like using the term that they turned their back on Manchester United. I think what happened was those people sensed reality that the modern game was moving on and passing them by. Um, and it's not easy for anyone to, to go off and support a different club. I personally couldn't do it. I, I think if something happened, Man United, I'd just stop watching football. Um, but this has totally divided the fan base for years and years and years. And it's come to the stage now where you're, you're, you're surprised that Liverpool fans um, didn't like FSG. To be quite honest, and I, I do speak to people that work at Liverpool, I don't think Jorgen Klopp has been happy with FSG for some time. And it, 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 if the fans right, are, are paying attention to that and what he's been asking for in the past two years what they've had in their squad this year. I don't think he's happy with FSG either. I don't think they've been good owners. Good owners. I don't think that the fans can trust them that they'll consult them in the future. Bad owners. Every, sing every single one of the top six. I don't want any of them near. I hate Liverpool. I don't want FSG in charge of Liverpool. I don't want in charge of any English club. It's not mm. good for football. Right, good. go on, PG. So what I wanted to say, I wanted to ask Max, because I never got to ask you the question. <laughs> are you happy with your owners? It's a great question. As you know from me, you're never going to get a short answer. Um, also, so, no. No. Um, um, I, I was just wanted to say to Baz, because he said something about the uh, about the pandemic. I just wanted to say that the worst thing that happened in the pandemic was was actually fake fan sound. It kind of <laughs> it, it kind of brought that in to say that you know. Did, did we have the, do we control the game as, as fans? Do we have the fan power? And one thing that we had the power on absolutely is that if we actually didn't turn up at the stadiums, no one would watch it. And ultimately, in a day, people walked away from it. It doesn't matter that Manchester United have 75 million, I think, or, or, or I think Liverpool, there's like 75 million kind of actual fans uh, around the world. 
Um, uh, the reality is that Liverpool is a city of half a million odd people, and if you split it down the middle, red and blue, you've both got about 250 million, uh, 250,000 fans each. And everyone else has been acquired okay, by success up until recently where success was bought. So prior to it being a bit, you know, prior to the, the, let's call it the Chelsea, Man City era and, and maybe a little bit of the Manchester United era because, you know, that money was coming into the game. Prior to that, it was quite pure if you won the league, I think. Right. You know, if you go back to kind of 80s and before. Right. Answer the question. Sorry. So so <laughs> interestingly, how we feel about Daniel Levy um, and the ownership is I don't think some some hate them, but I think it's more born out of frustration than anything else in that, you know, there's this glass ceiling and you guys might laugh at this and you probably will laugh at this. I've said for a long time that Spurs are the most overachieving club in the Premier League. Overachieving. And we agree I, with that one. No, no, we are. We're We're delusional, yeah. Honestly, I know it's like as, as, as banter, but actually not delusional, no. totally pragmatic about the fact that we are so overachieving on a pound-for-pound pound basis. To, to even be in the conversation is ridiculous. We've been nowhere for years. And, and the spending power, and I keep bringing it always back to wages, we are... 100 million a year less than the top five, if you want to call it that. It's a huge gap. So the fact that we're even there, I think we've been overachieving. Winning trophies, well, Man City really should win them all. They've got a B team strong enough to win, and that's why they always win the, the Carabao Cup, and they will again next week, sadly. Um, so so for, for us Spurs fans, it's, it's amazing you do that. I, I mean, I really, I only care about my own club. Um, no, oh, really, here we go. Yeah, we, yeah, of course do. We're really, really frustrated because... Um, I believe he's done an unbelievable job to even get us to where we are and deliver kind of time on time. You know, getting the trophies is just like really difficult. But you know what? To even be there, to even have the opportunity to get to finals, let alone Champions League final, beyond our imagination, have the stadium now to compete, which we've never been able to fill, you know, for a full season. We've had three little bits of each season. It's a disaster. So we are kind of right there. But we are also really, really capable. He's really capable of screwing that up. because and, and we had the model just in front of us, which was Liverpool, right? Because they had to get rid of a couple of players that they got mass money from. And they went, we're going to plug all of that with the two things that we need, a Van Dijk and a goalkeeper. Spent all the money there and they did what they did. And Spurs are just, we're not punching through. We're actually kind of regressed, so we're a bit frustrated. Is the answer, but I don't think there's any hatred for him. If there is, it's just out of the frustration. So you're okay with it, yeah? Um, I don't. You know what? Until this brilliant, brilliant uh, question, because until this week, I would have felt slightly differently. Prior to this ESL thing, I would have said, "Well, it's a stepping stone for him. They're going to sell out, and yeah, we need that kind of rich owner to come in." And do what they did with Man City and Chelsea. You know, Man City would have had two hundred and fifty thousand fans until they came in, right? But, and bought that success, and now they've got fifty million. But Max, so, there's no guarantee because we've got a rich owner, and he doesn't put any money in. This is exactly what I'm saying. Now I'm now I'm thinking. Actually, don't want it. Don't wish for it. No, okay, no, you guys, no, hold on one second. Hold on, because Baz, I got to let Baz go, and I want to get his closing statement yeah. before he goes. And I know we're going to be wrapping up here. We've taken a, one hour and eleven minutes of your valuable time from your family, and we so appreciate it. But Baz does have to run, and I just wanted to get your summary here, Baz, bit before you uh, head out. First of all, Max, we've got as the ladies will know, and the other Arsenal fans, we've got a fella who's worth fourteen billion, and yet. 
the Premier League won't let us spend the money. Is that this guy? That guy and his mate, who's who's a lot more rich than uh, Mr. Mashiri, as in Mr. Rushmanov. So we've got our owner wants to spend five hundred million a season, but unfortunately the uh, the drawbridge is being pulled up. We're not allowed to because of the Premier League restrictions (FFP). So you know, I think our fella, well, Mr. Rushmanov's one of the richest on the planet, and we can't spend that money. But that's that's a different story, and and that's for another day. And Liverpool Hold just on, Baz, why can't you? Much, Man City do. I don't understand. It's, it's not because they're so far down the line, Amanda, that they get four hundred million pound stadium naming rights from oh, I see. things yeah, like yeah. that. So yeah. right, the way just one question. Who was second in the naming rights for the Etihad Stadium? I can't remember, mate. No one, no one, no one was. Oh, yeah, they sorry. In the bids. Million oh, yeah. Had an yeah, yeah, sorry, mate. I missed that one. But anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we're all chatting oh, the was a rich owner at this point. <laughs> at this stage, it doesn't actually mean anything because the Premier League yeah. and Europe don't allow you to because it's the drawbridge is being pulled up. Um, to answer Kevin Campbell's question, this isn't over. A 170-page no. contract isn't over because some teams go, hang on, I don't think we want it because our fans are moaning. They knew what was coming. Though You can't tell me any of them owners didn't say, when we say this, it's not going to be nice. They don't care, like Mark said before. But hopefully, fan power can, can continue to make it a very uncomfortable place for these people. Because if we do that, then we keep it aware. We keep it in the social domain. We keep it where people are looking and saying, hang on, we've been here as legacy fans forever. <laughs> and it's our football club and you can't just put your money down and take it. And the other thing, my final closing bit is, I'm a great believer in, yes, Liverpool and Manchester United are the biggest clubs in England in the world. Nearly, you know, definitely up there in the biggest clubs in the world. <laughs> Man City, they're all big clubs, but without the other 14, there ain't no Premier League. Absolutely. Mm. So, turning around and saying, we're a big club and we should have all, most of the money. Well, without without us, you ain't got a league. So, Correct. the money should be divided up equally. Same at UEFA, because the biggest thing that came out of this was people thought UEFA, the Premier League, Sky Sports, BT, were the good guys, which is the most yeah. hilarious thing in the Ta world. Callum Brady in the world but i'm a great believer in brilliance if you're it's like the uefa champions league thing people have been given these teams guarantees you're going to be in this even if you finish seventh liverpool you'll be back in the champions league if you're that good if you're an elite club you, you're going to yeah, be in the yeah, champions yeah, yeah. league anyway absolutely that's brilliant stuff Baz. We'll get, we're going to get you back on Baz. we'll get you back okay. on Baz. we'll talk oh, yeah. about this a lot uh, more Bad luck for tomorrow night. Yeah, we don't <laughs> I want to do it for football. We, we like to think we're doing it for you. Yeah, Baz. we are. Oh, yeah, thank you. Bad, 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 bad luck for tomorrow night, Baz. <laughs> take, it, take it easy. See you later. Max, yes, go on. Go yeah, on, ask a question. question. Thanks, Baz. Cheers, babe. Uh, whilst we're talking about, you know, obviously this issue with the ESL was the fact that you didn't have to qualify for it. It wasn't done on merit, and that's part of the issue. It wasn't to replace the Premier League. I think it was that was the issue, really. What do you make of the fact that in this new uh, Champions League proposal, there are two slots of the four new slots proposed, which go, and I'm just looking at it now on the UEFA website, mm -hmm. um, they're awarded to two clubs with the highest club coefficients that have not qualified for the Champions League 
but have qualified for either the Europa League or the um, even the Europa Conference League, which, by the way, currently as it stands, would mean that actually Arsenal would be in the Champions League next season, regardless of what happens, because you just high up enough the coefficient. But Max, go on, Max, go on, Dave, and, and then we're going to get Dale out on this one as well. Yeah. Max, this is this isn't new, is it? Because they did this when they changed the format from the European Cup to the Champions League. the Champions League, yeah. So, I'm old enough to remember when you had to qualify for the European Cup by being the champions of your country. This old-fashioned idea that the the European Cup would mean something as, you know, you're playing against the champions. They changed it and they brought the rules in to to bring two, three, four clubs in from from countries. So, it protected, or they thought that it would protect your Real Madrid's, your Barcelona's, your AC Milan's, your Liverpool's, they would be in that competition every year. And they've learned the hard way that actually, even by doing that, it doesn't work. Because there's years when we never qualified, there's years when other clubs have never qualified. And if, and this, all this is is an extension of protectionism. And they're trying the best that they can to protect their revenue income moving forward, their TV rights moving forward, it's an extension beyond, and yes, the American ownership is actually is actually a dynamic that's been brought to it because they're used to that. They're used to that closed national uh, major league type thing where franchise system. But let's not paint UEFA and the Premier League as being anything of this uh, this wonderful cosy people who are looking after the interest of the game. It's absolute garbage. I heard Karen Brady this week giving out a lecture about sporting integrity. This is the same woman who last season wanted the season to be ended so that West Ham could be guaranteed a place in the Premier League. There was no sporting integrity then for Fulham and Leeds. So she can kiss my ass. Right. <laughs> Go on, Amanda. We've got to say goodbye to Dale. So um, let, let's have Dale's. Right, yeah. Go on, Dale, give us your last Dale's word, off to Canton to, to get a banner out. Go on, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> I think before I go, I, I, I don't want to let everyone or forget to not leave anyone off the hook. But the agents out there, football agents, they issued a statement um, when the just after the announcement, the football forum. So the big agents such as Mendes and, and Rayola and all them. So they came out with a statement to say that they were looking after the players' rights, but they weren't exactly condemning the European Super League. What I found interesting was after that. Then the players started coming out with statements on social media. So if, truthfully, you want to believe an agent saying we have the players' best interests at heart, why didn't they go and ask the players before issuing that statement? Because that's the same thing we're talking about, these greedy owners. And we come down to the common the common problem here is greed. And a lot of them agents also have to start yeah. looking at themselves because that's a big problem here. Yeah, totally. And Dale, anything else you want anyone to know before we let you go as well? And uh, real quick in a nutshell too, did you appreciate the fans uh, and what they did at Carrington today? Is that part of the process? We're going to talk a little bit about what our fans did when we let you go, but um, what were your thoughts on that real quick? Yeah, I appreciate lads that are going to go out and and, and do a bit of graft. You know, I'm living across the pond. I can't get out and I know there's, there's always going to be talks of protests. I don't think there's an official set in place for the weekend. There was rumours in social media, but there's not an official set in place. What the lads did this weekend, they got in. I think they got uh, a chat with Solskjaer. They would, have, they would have told him what they thought. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he says in his press conference yesterday. Although 
I, 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 I do feel as when we're looking at the media and Jorgen Klopp was the same the other night, these managers are put on a spot and we're all kind of sitting there waiting, listening to every single word they say. Are they going to attack the owners? Are they going to do that? They're not, okay? Because I don't know anyone that's, that's posting these comments going to go into work tomorrow morning and, and, and lambast whoever is employing them. At the end of the day, I, I trust my manager and only got a social that he's got our heart our best interests at heart um he's doing a good job on the pitch and that's what he's paid to do we can we can ask him questions about the glazers all day but we're not going to get the answers that we want mm. are we no dale thanks so much for joining us um be sure to and baz as well toffee tv dale you can catch him at stretty news um brilliant stuff as always and he's got a great podcast as well cheers dale thanks mate have a good Bye, one dale. Thank you. Bye. You thanks everyone Bye-bye. All right, one by one, we're going to let one. these folks right. go. Um, the next one. <laughs> Max or Dave? Look, let's go to Dave. Right. Thank you for joining us, Dave. Your last word. Um, I just think it's really interesting in terms of isn't it? really interesting discussion and, 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 the, and the varying different angles that people have come from. Uh, you know, understand, everyone here understands their own football club. But in their own way, and, and if you and if you go and listen to other people, they may have different opinions. But you know, I was just listening to Dale there about Solskjaer and 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 the managers. I actually think, and 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 this is probably my final thing on this, and I think it's something that's been completely overlooked. And I've said it about three times tonight. I'm going to repeat myself. You know, I think the biggest thing to come out of the pandemic, and in the last year, and and through this. 24 hour 48 hour period whatever it was when it all kicked off is the is the is the power and the voice that players have got and and all of a sudden you know some people about agents and agents because agents are going to sort of toe the party line because they don't know what league their players are going to be in so they're not going to start slagging off the paymasters before they can cut a deal for their player but it's interesting and i know for a fact for a fact that at liverpool and manchester united and amanda knows that I know for a fact at Manchester United, because I know someone there. The captains of those football clubs, Harry Maguire and Jordan Henderson, both of them took the fight directly to the owners from the inside. Now, I just heard Dale say, you're not going to stand up against your owner publicly because he's your boss. Well, I'm not sure, you know, Jordan Henderson did. Harry Maguire did behind the scenes sort of with Ed Woodward. And the voice that those players have got is really interesting. And we talk about players' wages. Most of these lads, Jordan Henderson came from Sunderland, comes from Sunderland, came through the league system. Marcus Rashford comes from Withenshaw and is playing for the club that he loves. Harry Maguire came through the league system and he's now captain in Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs on the planet. And I genuinely think and I genuinely hope that these players have realised that they have a platform and a responsibility to stand up for the people who they represent. And when I say represent, I don't necessarily mean the club that they play for. Jordan Henderson's a working class lad. Harry Maguire's a working class lad. Marcus Rashford is a working class lad. And I hope that that continues because I genuinely think in this incident, this has made a massive difference. And people say, do the owners think that we're going to get flat from the fans? Yes, I think they do. I think they did. I don't think they realised the brickbacks they were going to take them from within inside the club. 
Brilliant stuff, Dave. Brilliant. Well done, Dave. Absolutely brilliant. We'll see you on the show probably next week as well. So thanks for joining us tonight. Take care. And, all um, take care. Good take night, care. Dave. Good night, Dave. See you the ref. And we uh, we did it this way just to make sure that the Spurs fan was left in a room with four gooners. What final? We're going to lose to Man City B. So surprisingly, Max, when I've looked at the comments, a lot of the Arsenal fans have quite enjoyed your chat tonight. So you're now going to become our resident Spurs business correspondent, invitee. All my in-laws are all Arsenal fans, and I, I didn't want to message any of them to say that I, that I was on this. I thought, we'll see how it goes, and then I'll tell them to watch a recorded version if they want. <laughs> <laughs> I probably know your in-laws, because as yeah, you know. Uh, they're, they're from this, from this side. Yeah, don't worry. I know a lot of people from that side. Yeah, I know. People don't understand what we're talking about, Max. We no, should just no, move on. Um, separation. Yeah, no, let's I know. Get, let's get your, um, your yeah, final your comment, take. too. Okay, my final thought on this is as sickening as it's been and sickening that even my own club were involved in it uh, um, for whatever reason, I'm perversely glad it's happened because sometimes I think that when things are really, really going wrong, you need to kind of hit rock bottom in order to kind of rebuild. And I, and I feel that football certainly hit rock bottom this week. In, our, in, in recent times and all the right voices have come back the fan voices fan power um, um, the, the issue with the authorities whether it's UEFA or whether it's you know because it's highlighting their issues that we don't really pay much attention to you know uh, um, um, or not as much as we should um, I know I do because I am absolutely devastated that the World Cup is going to uh, uh, Qatar um, being played by the same players who take a knee every week. Like, hold on, which way are you? You can't take the knee and then go and play a World Cup in a country that does everything that you've just taken the knee about. You know, yeah. this whole, uh, it, it's been a pretty terrible situation. So so the resets for UEFA as well and FIFA, reset for the Premier League, reset for the club owners, and, you know, the, the fans have prevailed, which I'm kind of happy about. I'm worried that it's not over, but I don't think it's going to be in the same way. There'll be there'll be changes. Some we'll like and some we won't. Um, there are four clubs for sale. Uh, um, definitely now four big clubs. Definitely uh, Ma um, Manchester United, um, Arsenal and Liverpool are all for sale. I say four, Spurs are always for sale. Um, <laughs> but literally, that, I think that's the truth. I think that they'll now realise that there isn't a golden ticket to take their two billion to eight billion. It's gone. So I think that's coming. So that's it, really. Uh, and I said perversely, I'm glad it's happened because you know we've hit rock bottom and we're going to have to start and build again. And now they know who this game belongs to. It belongs to us. So very well um, And Do you know what? Here, here. It always will. I I think they had no idea about fan power, Max. I mean, we're they all up in arms. They, they didn't even think about it. They didn't care. The thing is, though, they now know. But I do think Kevin's right. I haven't answered Kevin's question yet. I do think he's right. They're going to go around it in a different way. And probably one day we probably won't even – they won't even listen to us. And it's such a shame because, like you, Max, I've been going to Highbury – 
since 1972. Um, not that you've been going to Highbury, but I've been to White Hart Lane many a times. And the fact that we would end up playing you in a European league, probably in LA somewhere, stunk the place out and it's not for us. Yeah. But you've been brilliant. For a Tottenham fan, you've been brilliant, Max. You really Credit where it's due. Honestly, fantastic. Yeah. Well, you would Thanks do because you've come on a premium <laughs> podcast, haven't you? Obviously. Yeah, no, listen, for five Arsenal fans, I don't, is it, was it how many of you there? There's no, four, four no. Arsenal fans. Yeah, you're like now the only four that I actually like. And I only had to talk for about three minutes to get them. Yeah, well, like, oh, we're going to let Max go up. and we're going to talk all about the Cronkies, Tanner. So bye don't guys, worry. Thanks a lot, bye, Max. Take care. Bye, bye. Brilliant stuff from Max. Oh, wow. And then there were four, the best four, of course, the Gooners. Don't, don't go yet, squaddies. We're going to stay on for another just a few minutes here. We've been on air for an hour and a half, but it's just like a radio show, right? When you've got big news and big stories, it ends up being a couple hours. They usually do three, but we're going to keep going here because we do have to talk about today. PG, I'm just going to hand it over to you, our boy Axe. Right. Tim Payton. Why don't we wow. uh, get Mark and uh, Tanner's views on all of this and yours as well? So... I mean, I was at work and all of a sudden Twitter exploded this afternoon with all this red action and all these quotes and tweets about our boy Axe and Tim. Um, well, Axe was there at, at the uh, forum and I didn't think Josh Cronkey was going to turn up. Now, the thing is, I think what Axe asked him or told him was just absolutely superb. He is my hero today. He's actually a friend of mine anyway. I've been a member of the AST for quite a few years. I couldn't be more proud of the Arsenal Supporters Trust than I am this week and what they've done. Tim Payton has been all over the telly. Akil's been all over the radio. Just telling the Cronkies straight. We don't want you. We want you out. I know it's probably not going to make any difference, but he told Josh Cronkay today, you do not understand us and you never have and you never will So get out of our club. There was quite a few other fan uh, representatives there. I don't know who they were. I haven't even had time since I got back from work. It's been mental. So I'm very proud of, I'm very proud of our fan base. I mean, I know all the other six clubs as well, but I don't speak for them. I, I actually don't speak for our fan base, but I'm speaking for... Arsenal fans across the globe, across the world, we've all come together. There's, there's never been a time like it where every single Arsenal fan agrees. Agrees. Wenger in, Wenger out. It was split. Everything. Split with Arteta. Split with teams. Everything. But we are not split on this. It doesn't matter if you live five minutes from the ground or 15 hours by plane by the ground. You are all absolutely in arms. So I'm just going to come to you, Mark. Um, are you aware of what happened this afternoon and how yeah. do you feel about it? Yeah, fully aware. I think oh, if there was ever a case of remember who you are, what you are, who you represent, it was certainly carried out by today with the, the people who put uh, Josh Conkey and Vinay to task today. Um, I saw I saw Akil said, and I, feel, I think it takes a lot of balls, but I think I know that Akil... Um, has that sort of relationship. I've seen pictures of like gala dinners and stuff and has that uh, relationship in sort of in, in, in the circle Arsenal. And I think it takes a lot of balls to, to say what you think when you're in that and when you get that sort of privileged position. 
And, uh, and, and if the quote was worth word, he said that, yeah, like you said, he thinks that they should just, they should just leave. But what I'd be re- what I didn't get to see, unfortunately, I didn't get to see or hear uh, Josh Cronkey's response to what he said when he said, I think you don't understand English football. I think you should leave. And that, that'll be quite interesting to see uh, what he said, but I'm, I'm really, really proud of him to do that. Um, and just, just really proud of the football community, the, the you know the the whole the whole Premier League over the way everyone's pulled together. Well, not the Premier League, just the, the whole of the whole of football. Because I don't know one person who thought this was a good idea. And what's something what I think is quite interesting we we haven't actually discussed is if in the, in the tiniest tiniest percentage, if let's say for example, given the benefit of the doubt of these football teams that went ahead with it with this um, this, this stupid idea. If they were saying, if they thought it was a great idea, why on earth did they announce it at eleven o'clock at night um, over Twitter? If it, would it not be something they'd be super, super proud of if they thought it was a really good idea? Who does that? It was so cloak and dagger. Yeah, it, it was a bizarre, bizarre thing to do. But yeah, no, yeah. So just <laughs> going back to your point, yeah, fully aware of what happened today. Think it's amazing. Um, but like I said, I just want to make myself really clear of my stance for, throughout the whole of the podcast. I think it might have got a bit misconstrued. I'm all for protesting and I'm all for, like I said, people are going to, I think there's going to be a lot of people outside the armory at six o'clock tomorrow um, and making a lot of noise, making themselves heard. All I was saying that I think it will be difficult, but yeah, I am all for it and give everyone who wants to be there and do that my, my back in and I'll be one of them. Yeah, everyone has... You... Sorry, so go on. No, I was going to say everyone has to do what they feel. Um, you know, I don't think we should be criticising each other at this point. If you want to protest, protest. If you don't, don't. It's totally up to you. Same thing as voting in an election. Vote for who you want. You know, that's who you want to vote for. The problem is, Mark, I don't think you came across wrong. I don't think you, so at all, yeah. You were great, no. Mark. No, I read a few, the I read thing a few, is you, few comments. I, I read a few comments that said that I, I was giving up, but, but I am I'm 100% cranky out. Of course I am. All I'm if, looking at from from an owner's view. And like I said, if I own an American franchise who I didn't care about, but I was earning money hand over fist and my team were doing crap, I wouldn't care about what my supporters thought or if they were tweeting it. I wouldn't care. Absolutely. That's and I don't saying. care. Oh, let's not bother. Let's not bother, you know, protesting because we can't get them out. So what's the point? You know, if everyone had that attitude the world over, nothing would get done. That's not exactly. The, that's exactly. Can I also say something? You said something. I've seen comments about the AST kissing ass. And you know what? That is so not true. Even before last week, they mm-hmm. did not. I used to go to all the meetings in London. I saw what they did. I really, really take offense to that. I'm part of it. I'm nothing to do with it i'm not on the board or anything but i'm part of it they have done so much work behind the scenes they question everything so i really want to put that out there and okay. also want to say about akil that generally is a very quiet guy he's mm. very quiet <laughs> he is not to do what he's done today yeah. he is so angry like we all are but okay so tanner he's waiting patiently can i just jump in for a second because <laughs> Tanner texted me and we were talking about American sport and I, I just sent in the link without even saying, hey, can you come on? I just sent in the link and <laughs> thank you, Tanner. And he's been so patient and um, gone. I just had to let everyone know how Tanner came to no, be No, I mean, it's fantastic, Tanner, your 
you know, you bleed Arsenal. It doesn't matter that you live across the pond. I keep saying this. Even though, to be fair, the other day I got called a bigot for saying what I had to say, but each to their own, I couldn't be more or less of a bigot. But anyway, yeah. Tanner, I love my, my global fans. What I was trying to get across, and maybe you could understand this, and I need to say it in a very short way, is soccer in America, football here, yeah, mm -hmm. it's our game, mm -hmm. okay? It plays at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 5 mm -hmm. o'clock in the afternoon. If I came over to your country and said, right, NHL, um, NHL. NFL, NHL. There's NHL as well. Oh, there's there? NHL yeah, yeah. over here, and it's, it's by, an by far FL. my favorite American FL. sport. So, PG, you're, you're golden right now. Keep going. I love it. If I came to your country and said, Roger, you know what? I want it for the England market, yeah? I, I want you to start playing 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, which is 8 a.m. in America. You would tell me to do one, and that's all <laughs> I was trying to say. This is our sport. It doesn't mean people around the world can't support it. Absolutely not. I love my global fans, but I've been called out. I think people have misunderstood me, what I was trying to say. It's an English sport that should be played UK time. That's all I'm trying to say. So, oh, Tanner. I, the, the, fact, the fact of the matter is, and you're absolutely right, if you came over here, mm. if, if they tried to get any sport in America, any, any American sport to puck drop, kickoff, first pitch, tip off in the NBA – at a at, at 8 a.m., you know, at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., whatever it us. is. To, to yes. you. That's silly. Nobody would go. Nobody would go. The time slots are there. It's disrespectful for, for yeah, sale. The, the, the time slots where games start are meant for the locals, the people who live there, who can go to the games, to the matches, to be able to go at a time that suits them. Now, this, this is where American sports differ a little bit. Um, because we don't have the history of sport that exists over there with football. Mm. And, and for the most part, it's always been about money. It's always been about broadcasting, whether it be early on with baseball and radio. Um, the NFL is really the, they're the juggernaut of, of I'm, I'm going this, I may sound like a bigot. Now the NFL is the juggernaut of sports at this point with, with what they, with what they've done, the way they market themselves and everything else. They're just, they're the juggernaut of sport, but we have one thing that I, because I'm American and as far as time slots go that I've never sort of understood is the prime time slots. You guys don't like that. You guys don't want to play at eight o'clock in the evening. Now on a Friday, I get that, uh, you know, rush yeah. hour, especially in London would be an at the, 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 in, under normal circumstances, no, no global pandemic would be a nightmare getting to the grounds at, at eight o'clock on Friday night. But we have Sunday night football here, meaning American football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football, different time slots on the weekends for the games. And they're all designed to fit television. Mm -hmm. They don't care about the people who are actually going to the game. The NFL will flat out tell you, if you can't go to the Thursday night game and you have season tickets, tough. Sell them and go home and watch on television. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they ask any anyone from the NFL league office, and that's what they'll tell you. We're doing this because the money is in television. Somebody had said <clears throat> it was either Baz or Dave. Um, it, it said that the clubs don't care about us, the fan, in terms of match going fans. The money's in television. The 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 gate the gate revenue that they get is compared to television. 
is peanuts. So at, at this point, it's just all going to be driven by television, by money, and PG, your apps. And by the way, PG, nice to finally meet you and chat with you like this. You guys you know, never I, done a show together before? We've never done a show before. Ah. Nope. So I watched one of his shows once, wasn't I? I was awake at three o'clock in the morning. Do you yes, remember? you were. You were, yes. <laughs> I came on and, and I was you was all talking about American politics. I found uh, it quite we interesting. Were, we, were, we, were on, we were on a rant of God Trump knows what, and that Biden point, uh, and all who that. Knows. But um But can mm. I just put something yeah. straight? There's two comments I've seen. First of all, James has just said, I feel like PG hates our American supporters. Oh my God, it could not that? be further. It. I've just answered it. It cannot be further oh, than the no, truth. That's not true. I, 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 PG, I would, you I and I interact. A, I wouldn't do a podcast with her if that was the case. We we interact on Twitter, I would say multiple times a week. I I don't think that at all. And I and I've never seen anything from you. I'd hate to that, anyone that, to that, think that. that would suggest that. And I and and apparently you put out a tweet or something. I didn't see whatever it was that you put out, and even whatever, no matter what it says, I, I know better than that. So I'm American. Take it from me. She doesn't hate American support. No, I don't. I've got loads of friends in America. And I love the fact that, I mean, some of my close friends live in, I can't remember where he lives now, down south, South Carolina. Mad Arsenal fans. We talk to all the time. So I'm really, I'm not going to take offence to it, but I love our global supporters. And then there was another comment saying, football is not only an English sport. No, I agree. It's not. But the Premier League is. The Premier League is. And that's where Arsenal play. If Arsenal played in the NHL, NFL, it would be the American League. I really don't understand what people are not getting here. I'm not being uh, anti-anybody. What, what you're saying, what you're saying is they, you know, it's the Premier League is our is, is our league, and it has to it should be catered around us. And if it was the other way around, we'd be. Catered that's all around. I'm trying to say. That's and, it. And, 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 and I, is it, I needed and I, you, Mark, the other day, yeah. <laughs> just to say it because I just went man, the I house and it you, came out you. wrong. And, and <laughs> I, as an American, fully understand that because on on the days where we play. We we played Liverpool at noon. It was a noon kickoff over there for you guys. It's a seven a.m. kickoff here. Yep. For for us, and I'm doing pregame show on my channel an hour and a half before kickoff. I'm up at five thirty in the morning. I'm going live at five thirty in the morning to do that show. I'm not sitting there like, man, why can't they just play these games later in the day to accommodate me? You know, the big dumb American over here who decided to be a footy fan. No, that's silly. So that's when Arsenal America. Silly came to the Emirates, I was the first to get to the pub to see them all. So it, it's, it is rubbish. But you know what? I think sometimes I can come across in a way where maybe I'm not. I'm a bit misunderstood. I needed what Mark said in a nutshell the okay. other day. Listen, here's the scoop. You've, you've Everyone has said lots of things this evening and we talk all the time. And one of the things I can assure you is that every single person who is on this panel comes from a place of loving their club and loving football. Nothing more, nothing less. And on our podcast, we attract and we bring in, in the chat, I'm really proud tonight in the sense that we had Tottenham fans, we had some United yep. fans, we had Liverpool. some Chelsea fans, we had Liverpool fans. The fact that we could all come together and I didn't have to block any user at any point is right. huge. And, you know, um, we've talked to rival players at times where some people have said, why have you got them on? But then they understand you know why yeah. we have them on our, our our podcast is an Arsenal podcast, but it's really a football podcast. It's a beautiful game podcast, and so 
um, you know, Mark uh, does a lot for charity, you know, uh, you know, great fans like Mark, you know, who, and I, I hope, I know I can say this, you're a diabetic, you do so many different things and, you know, you've, we've got Tana here who is part of the same old Arsenal podcast in the U.S., um, does great things here. We got our boy Mike Gunas Pod, who will be talking oh, we next love week. Mike. Who love does Mike. amazing Magic things Mike. for charity and cancer and stuff like that. And you know, you've got you've everyone's part of a community. Everyone does great things, and there's no one here who hates anyone. And I just wanted to really, really yes, we do. That. We hate Tottenham fans. That's who apart we all, from Max, <laughs> apart from Max that. and a few others. <laughs> But no, um, getting back to it's not well, about me. I just, I just want to, and we need to finish. Yeah, yes. yeah, we need to finish because you Americans need to go for lunch, don't you, or whatever time it is. Hey, I mean, or, it's, it's working on dinner time for me. So. Dinner. Yeah. I need yeah. to go to bed, Tanner. <laughs> I need to go to bed. I've got work tomorrow. Me and Mark do not together, but you know what I mean. We need to go yeah, to bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, but a wedding. I just want to <laughs> say that I'm so proud of our fan groups today, Akil and the rest of them, for what they said, how they portrayed themselves, how angry they are. We're all angry. I do honestly think that I can honestly speak for everyone when I say we all want Cronkay out. I hope that is very true and I don't see any comments saying I don't speak for anyone, no one at all. But I think I'm quite right on that. He does not do what we need to not even turn up to our ground to watch a game. He hasn't got an absolute iota about P P being in love with a football club. What about yeah. what he said about Stoke? Because a lot of people have asked us about, you know, what he well, said. <laughs> interestingly, he there was it, well, interestingly, Cole told me this. It's been taken out of context. He said he saw the banner saying from Chelsea, we want our yeah. cold Tuesday night in Stoke, instead of saying it, and it sounded like he copied it. So yeah, yeah. I do think sometimes, look, you, you have to give Josh Kroenke this. You have to give him this. He came out today to an absolute barrage. There wasn't one person asked him a question that was anywhere near decent to what you would expect. They're angry. And he took it on the chin. He didn't have to come out. I'm not I'm not defending him, but he did not have to come to that fans forum today. So, you know, all, all, all we want as fans is to be respected and not be taken money out of our club. And I'll say it again for the people that didn't watch. It comes down to this Sky TV, the Premier League, Roman Abramovich. It all changed. The whole thing changed. David Beckham made the World Cup sexy. Paul Gascoigne with his tears. It became popular. Football was nowhere mid-80s. Nowhere. It was a working-class sport. We just went. We followed our teams. We watched a match at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon or occasionally on a Sunday. You reap what you sow. You know, you want to watch games. You, you want big players with big wages. And it's brilliant what they were talking about wages because this is what it's all down to. We've paid Aubameyang 320 grand a week. I'm just going to leave it there. Well, look, I'd like to give Mark and uh, Tanner the opportunity to have their closing statement too. Mark, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, I loved having everyone from all the different clubs on. And yeah, thank you for spending almost two hours of your evening with us. What's your thank closing you. piece, Mark? My closing piece is basically just 
direct your anger at the owners. It's not the players. It's not the management. It's not the fans. It is the owners. And like I said, I said before, and I say again, remember who you are, what you are, who you represent. And that goes for everyone going tomorrow outside the armory at six o'clock. Remember, we're a classy club. Yeah. So repre- represent. You don't have to play for Arsenal to represent Arsenal. My dad used to tell me that. So well, if you go tomorrow, be loud, be proud, make your, make your point across. But let's do it in a, in, a, in a classy Arsenal way, how we've been brought up to be. That's my final Very thoughts. well said. Very well said, Marky Mark. Um, Tanner, the bearded gooner. What do you have to say? Oh, I love Tenna. <laughs> I am. I am actually. I'm gonna. I'm gonna piggyback off of uh, off of what Mark said in terms of classy and 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 a little bit of a history lesson. My, I I watched the the league final in '89, and PG, you go on about '89 all the time, and I I absolutely I I love it. I I absolutely love it. Um, I was a ten year old kid watching, and it was on, and it was broadcast like a month and a half after it actually happened. But I was I, I watched it. Full disclosure, I was entranced by the announcers because of the accent and like you know, ten year old kid. That's why I'm watching. But somewhere, as my grandfather tells me this story, I knew what was happening in the game, and I started I started supporting Arsenal because they were the underdog, and they they had to win this to win a to win a championship. And I started that's that's where it started for me. He nurtured the you know the passion that i had for the club or for what i had just seen the club later that summer because of a letter that he wrote hand wrote put it in an envelope and mailed it off i got a scarf and a jersey in the mail i he gave it to me on my birthday in september of 1989 that's where this club was that's the kind of thing that this club would do some little American 11-year-old twerp in America got a scarf because he saw a game and all of a sudden he just fell in love with what he watched. And that's class. Oh. And, and, as, and as Dennis Bergkamp said, and I'm gonna, uh, I'll butcher the quote, but you don't start supporting a club because of the trophies, because of winning. You start supporting a club because somewhere there you found yourself, somewhere where you belong. And that's what this is to me and what they're now doing. Because I will tell you this, I have defended the Cronkies to the hilt. I have tried to put the American spin on things and, and get people to see, okay, give them a break. Like they're trying, they're American. They don't quite understand what's going on over here, you know, but maybe we're getting there. I'm done now. I am 110% Cronky out. I tweeted this out before I, I got uh, on board on the show. If you're anywhere near Englewood, California, Sophie, you can help with this. <laughs> yeah. Get down to SoFi Stadium. Get and, and this is the big one. Get down to SoFi Stadium because I promise you, the NFL network is watching. And yes, I said the NFL network. And if the NFL network picks up on this, that will hurt Stan Kroenke. That will really get him to listen if the NFL network sees this and embarrasses him on their network. I would like for us to to figure it out. I know MK is talking about something happening at the Fox and Hound tomorrow. Um, I was trying to get hold of Mike, um, some of the Arsenal America guys. You know, whether it's me standing outside SoFi Stadium screaming, SoFi Stadium screaming and ESPN or whoever takes notice, whether it's people in Denver who can do it mm-hmm. outside the Nuggets arena or the Rapids game, um, any of his teams here in the US, Tanner, you're right. There's, yep. And I think... 
Tim Payton uh, or Akio were asking about, you know, is someone in America going to write about him? I don't know, on Dan Patrick, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, Tanner, but um, McLovin said he doesn't give a toss about his teams in the US. Why would he care yeah. about his team yeah. in Europe? Um, so, yeah. Well, it's all, it's, all, it's all right here. The difference with American sports is he, he can accidentally be successful in American sports. Hmm. It's just the way that the sports are, the way that the leagues are set up. He doesn't have to try. He can be uh, the avalanche his his NHL team, PG. Um, they are, <laughs> they're one of the favorites to win the Stanley cup this year and not because of anything he's done. No, not it, because of again, anything the, the Rapids done. won MLS cup years ago, not because of yep. him, in spite of him, yep. the Denver nuggets were an oblivion for so long. And now Josh cares as someone yeah. um, rightly said on Twitter, and the same thing with uh, the Avalanche. I mean, I, my my dearest friend was an Avalanche fan for years, and and had to watch them go from being a great hockey team to being absolutely nowhere. Well, they for were years. they were they were garbage. They were garbage yep. for. Yep. I for wonder so if we could get a worldwide anti Cronkay demo going in every country because in every country <laughs> on this planet there are Arsenal fans. Well, did you see my tweet yesterday? I said if there's a protest tomorrow, how can we mobilize to make it online and involve every fan around the world? The thing is, the only way that he will know that affects him is in his pocket. And that means no one going to football, buying a piece of merchandise, a gain. But it's not yeah. going to happen, is it? Because well, we're all going to renew our season tickets because we're all desperate that's to a, get back. Yeah, that's a different That's a different discussion. Because that, yeah, that's a, that's a podcast for a... Yeah, we can do that another time. We need to go. It's really all their crap anyway, so... <laughs> let, me make, let me make one more point, if I can, just really quick. I think it was Max that brought up the pandemic and the piped-in crowd noise and everything else. <laughs> one other thing that the owners have seen through the pandemic is with no fans in the stadiums, the money's where the, the money's in TV. Yeah, of now everybody's at home watching. Mm -hmm. Don't don't be surprised if they're not necessarily interested in letting the fans back into the stadiums right away at a big clip because that's going to take away. It'll it'll well, take that's away why ratings. I was and quite surprised, Tanner, that they um, bowed out very quickly within forty eight hours because TV is where the money is. They don't yep. even need us. Yeah. So yep. I'm yep. hoping I think Kevin. That's exactly, I think that's exactly what Max said, PG. Like yeah, they, the they don't need way. us. Well, and they've um, used the pandemic as the reason. But anyway, I'm going to shut please, up. Yeah, please yeah. reach out to, if you're in the States, please um, reach out. Um, MK is part of Arsenal Los Angeles, so you'll want to do that. Um, you can reach uh, Tanner at Same Old Arsenal USA, but also he's the bearded gooner. You can find him. Um, reach out to Arsenal America if you're in other states. Just... Uh, you, you know, it's not over. We're just beginning. We can't let this be over because it would be like the worst thing to happen ever where everyone's mobilized. Everyone's trying to do something really positive and just keep the pressure on. We know they're not going to sell, but we have to continue the pressure and keep the pressure on these owners. It's the only way that our voices will continue to be heard. PG, why don't you wrap things up for us today? We're going to be back tomorrow with the post-game show, Everton. Oh Should we get two quick predictions from these guys? I'm not yeah, doing, I'm protesting. On. I'm not doing predictions for a while. I've never got a football match was on tomorrow. Exactly. Do you know, it's... Honestly, <laughs> and we and we have got a great guest coming on tomorrow night, Alan Myers from Sky TV, because Alan is a good friend of mine and he's an Evertonian, and it's going to be very interesting his take on what go what's gone on this week as well. So join us post match tomorrow night, Mark. 
Come on, what's your prediction for tomorrow night? I'm going to go with 2-1 to Arsenal. That's my prediction as well, Mark. So we oh, have the same so one. So um, Tanner? I said on uh, Four Men in a Mic with Craig earlier this afternoon, I I had no idea that the, the, the lack of consistency is mind-boggling with this team, but kind of match everything seems to be against us and we'll somehow figure out a way to win this thing 2-0. Okay, Soph, go on. Too soon oh, for me. Come on, Sorry. you're doing a me. No, I won't do it. I can't do it. I just will not. It's like, you know, if someone cheats on me, I'm not going to forget overnight. They're going to have to work their way back into my trust. Otherwise, I'm just going to leave them. So, no, not happening for me no just prediction yet. If I'd have known that was an option, I would have taken that one because <laughs> I will just say. Just jump I, over. Just jump over, I, uh, Tanner. I, I, I really have about zero interest in watching this game tomorrow. This is the thing, isn't it? And I, I, What I said at the well, beginning of the week it. when this happened is that we all feel like that, Tanner. But the minute it starts, we will get into it. Yeah. It's not yeah. that we'll forget, but yeah. we've got to focus on the team. Remember, everybody, this is not the team's fault. Yeah. This is not Arteta and his staff's fault. If you are going to protest tomorrow night, make sure you don't protest against mm. the team coach. Manage. Just yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Good old Bellerin was the only one that came out and said something. Anyway, let's move on. Yes, uh, I'm let's close the show. Okay. Yeah, right. Mark, thank you so much. It's always thank a pleasure you. having Anytime. you on. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Great to meet you, Tanner, as well. Thank you. Mark, likewise. Fantastic. Tanner, you know I love you. And I want to be invited onto your podcast. I've not done an American one for a few weeks. <laughs> we'll have to do it. We'll, we'll, I, I will adjust the timing to... Uh, oh, to no, you don't have to. No, I'm not having... PG, that's 2.45 in the morning for you. I'm not having you get up that Oh, early. no, yeah. no. I won't be doing it then. <laughs> but I'll do one on a weekend with you. Absolutely. Tanner, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And you know how much I love all American gooners. You know that. Thank you. Sophie, it's been one hell of an evening. Well, a more, an afternoon for you. But it's just been incredible. And we are going to bring them back time and time again, all of them. They were superb. All of them. And it just proves, doesn't it? We may be rivals on the pitch, but we're friends off it because we all need to stand together right now, today. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. We do have a match tomorrow night. Come on, you gooners. Let's do this tomorrow night. We'll see you back here post-match. And for the, about the fifth time this week, always Arsenal, always.